everybody. Welcome to Crag Gals, the show where we are gals talking about crags. My name is Carolyn DeRosa. I'm a third year film major here at Penn State University, minoring in music technology and English. It is rainy today and very gloomy outside, but it I'm joined is. by my co-host Macy, Macy hey. Grove. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Macy. I'm a second year here at Penn State, uh, majoring in agriculture business management with two minors in horticulture and international agriculture slay mm. absolute slay <laughs> today's fun fact how do you like your eggs this i feel like is going to be controversial <laughs> um so to start i like my eggs scrambled with some cheese i usually dip them in ketchup um i know that a lot of people are very like either yes ketchup or no ketchup i'm yes ketchup i'm yes ketchup I'm yeah absolutely yes ketchup Ad- absolutely and then <clears throat> Um, unfortunately don't care for omelets. I think they're just a little bland and dry and not too exciting. Carolyn's shaking her head. You've never had a good omelet. <laughs> never had a good omelet. Um, I like them hard boiled, but especially poached. Like the poached kind are good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good. Where the yolk is still runny. Mm-hmm. Like the ones that they put in ramen. Yeah. Mm, favorite, favorite, favorite. Mm-hmm. So good. How about you, Carolyn? Well, I do like scrambled eggs. Um, I like scrambled eggs with um, some salt and pepper, a splash of milk, a little bit of cheese, mm-hmm. and some paprika. Um, I like an omelet. Uh, same mm-hmm. same ingredients as, as scrambled. However, I do enjoy adding some mushrooms and some type of meat. Okay. Um, I also do like sunny side up eggs. Yeah. Oh, sunny yeah. Sunny side up eggs are, are, good. are hit hard, dude. Mm-hmm. Same salt and pepper, a little bit of paprika. The best. The best. 100%. <laughs> All right, fun fact for the day. I'm sick. So if you hear me <laughs> sniffing in the background, please ignore the sniffling. But otherwise, on to our climbing news. saw this on instagram from climbing.com our illustrious climbing.com and um the title reads new bill aims to explicitly protect wilderness climbing so there's a bit of a problem in the climbing world um this comes from the 1964 wilderness act um basically aimed to protect america's wildlife conservation areas and natural parks quote as they were um it's kind of being brought up and almost being like reinterpreted um but basically one of the profound quotes that i found in the actual bill um that you can find on the doj's website um the bill reads quote um the uh, 1964 wilderness act shall be administered for the use and enjoyment of the american people in such a manner as will leave them unimpaired for future use and enjoyment as wilderness and so as to provide the protection of these areas the preservation of the wilderness character and for the gathering of (laughs) dissemination of information regarding their use and enjoyment as wilderness Basically, it was a really good bill. It promotes uh, protecting the environment um, and still allowed the natural parks to be enjoyed by the people. Um, However, the National Park Service proposed a new management plan in Joshua Tree National Park in the beginning of January 2022. Uh, The plan basically would define bolts as, quote, prohibited installations and therefore render them um, incurgious with the Wilderness Bans Act 
wilderness wilderness acts ban on structures and installations end quote and that's from coming.com uh i know that the 1964 wilderness act has previously banned cell phone towers buildings and pipelines but it hasn't not applied to boats yet mm-hmm. um now some quick fun facts about joshua tree national park um and this all this information is from mountain project so according to mountain project 60.7 percent of the routes in joshua tree are trad routes another thing is that 20 percent are boulder 8.9 percent are top rope and 10 percent are sport right so the ban will basically ban ban bolts pitons slings and other climbing hardware and that would probably take up around 80 or sorry that ban would affect around 85 percent of joshua trees area that's, that's insane that's yeah that's, that's a bit yeah that's a <laughs> um, bit much yeah so the plan would also be very problematic to um boat maintenance according to the climbing.com article basically on existing routes you know there's already a bunch of boats there they're already pretty run out and a lot of people are believing that this may lead to personal anchor failures or just mm. general anchor failures and i find this so ter- terrifying because like yeah. especially when you go like obviously when, we, when we're indoors we have like these like steel mm-hmm. or we use like some type of metal anchors that like keep us in place yeah, you right have in that the security air. yeah yeah but outside like especially like when you have to spend so much time learning how to build anchors mm-hmm. it's scary that like you could put you can make one wrong move on like a mussy hook and the whole thing comes it's undone just, yeah, you know over, it, it yeah. all comes undone and i don't know and also would allow extra room for failure due to fear and panic you know if you're kind of like questioning yourself on how these things run you know mm-hmm. it's not going to really work um so the park might have to go through each of the routes on josh tree and determine whether they are allowed with this new management plan on a bolt by bolt basis oh my gosh it seems like so much work it's gonna take forever yeah and then not only that but the park is considering or other parks are considering this plan as well so in june of 2022 uh black canyon of the gunnison in in montrose county colorado used similar language to come up with a new manage management plan for their park as well um and finally chris winter executive director of the access fund said these agencies already have every tool they need all legal authority to manage climbing they can remove routes where resources jeopardize they can remove fixed anchors if they are causing impacts uh they can even close whole areas to climbing there's no reason to reinterpret the wilderness act Mm -hmm. and i would have to completely agree i don't see the need to completely reroute this whole this whole thing when it was fine to begin with you know Mm -hmm. i don't know what are your thoughts macy yeah I, i agree with that it's like uh the the wilderness bill is a good thing Mm -hmm. and obviously the it promotes protecting our environmental areas as you said Mm -hmm. um and in like in all reality how much are the bolts affecting the wild yeah what i'm saying yeah like Mm -hmm. what i i want to see not that you can really like put this into numbers but i do want to see like how much it would actually affect the wilderness i I would like to see that too yeah i I imagine it's not very quantifiable but still Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it just um, seems like a difficult task no yeah definitely yeah um but it appears there's somehow surprisingly bipartisan hope hmm. <laughs> 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 hmm. <laughs> hmm. um so colorado representative uh joe nukes i don't know how to say that last name i'm so sorry and utah representative john curtis um so jo- joe is a democrat uh john is a republican um have introduced the quote protect america's rock climbing act so pretty much the Protect America's Rock Climbing Act is designed to 
allow for climbing friendly policies to be implemented on federal land, right? So, quote, the bill is the result of significant effort by the Access Fund, which organized a coalition of climbers, pro-climbing legislators, and wilderness policy experts to craft the bill. The bill's primary aims are to, one, clarify Congress's belief that climbing is an activity compatible with congressionally bestowed wilderness designations, and two, required federal agencies to allow public comment periods before taking action that might impact climbing access end quote macy what do you think about that um you said restrict climbing the wilderness so when they're reinterpreting the wilderness act that Mm -hmm. would restrict climbing yeah this bill aims to make climbing more friendly to congress essentially yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. well i think it's like really honestly like open some new doors that people in this position of power Mm -hmm. are talking about like protecting climbing yeah people who climb because honestly i feel like that that's not really seen or considered all that no, often <laughs> yeah I, I would agree so, i don't think it's seen too often yeah. yeah so that's that's a good thing i think yeah so pretty much the bill too would allow for fixed anchor placement use and maintenance in the wilderness um so that's what the access fund told climbing in an email so it pretty much would still um give climbers access and ability to still like use the anchors and even possibly make their own um which i think is great because it would still allow for it would still allow for climbers to be able to go out into the wilderness and responsibly, you know, make anchors. So, quote, agencies could, for instance, require climbers to get permits or take classes before permitting them to add or replace bolts, but they would not be allowed to enact blatant blanket prohibitions on fixed anchors or define them as illegal installations end quote mm. which i personally really enjoy it's really like especially the fact of like having to either get people to get requirements or take classes before yes. they enact bolts i like generally speaking the amount of bolt you know bolt placement videos that i've seen mm-hmm. i guess like on the internet seem responsible you know yeah but at the same time i also don't know like what what actually goes behind like bolt placing and yeah. how to preserve the land while also making sure that the risk is managed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then you have to think about how many people are just like watching these videos and then they're like, oh, okay, perfect. And yeah. then they go uh, out and do it yeah. <laughs> like right into the side of the mountain. Yeah, 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 so it's yeah. like, yeah, I think it, that will kind of solve that problem a bit. Yeah, I agree. And um, not only is that protecting nature but that's also protecting people yeah yeah i'm like irresponsibly going out and placing something wrong yeah i think so. i know uh last in one of our last episode maybe two episodes ago we talked about it was it was like a uh, fees and registrations in one of the like, yes. national parks yes and we were like that's not really a good idea i feel like in this case fees or like like making people pay to take a class would be acceptable oh, because I agree. you're permanently changing the wildlife of what of what exists mm-hmm. right you're permanently changing the wildlife right and so i think it would be wise and it would be it would have like make climbers have good stewardship and mm-hmm. wanting to place bolts in these routes you know yeah. in in america right Definitely. um but yeah so pretty much now i guess the article later goes on to say like you know ask if climbers have power right now and we've already seen like our heroes from the access fund like absolutely killing it um mm-hmm. trying to protect climbing as much as possible while still being good stewards to the environment and um apparently we can contact our representatives and express your support for the protect america's rock climbing oh, act so i will be nice. contacting my representatives because do they do much else <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Macy, what do you think? I think it's a great thing that you can contact them. Yeah. Um, regarding this, because I, 
more than anything, like the public's opinion matters. Yeah. As well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want your opinion to be heard, then <laughs> say something we about live it. In a so. democracy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I hope that a lot of the national parks do not go around around the management plan of like prohibiting bolts because we're just gonna see a lot more deaths that way mm-hmm. you know it's gonna it's gonna be climbing more dangerous and i understand wanting to protect the rock like it's a very valid argument but at the same time too like we should also like protect the people climbing the exactly. rock you know re- regardless like even if it's illegal people are gonna climb the rocks anyway yeah like there's no know? way to there's no really way to patrol. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unless you want like some like dystopian state. You know? <laughs> um, Anyways, I think it's a great thing in not only being risk managed, but also making sure that we are protecting wildlife I at agree. the same time. I agree. All right. On to our weekly accident. Number, uh, I guess, series number two, or episode two on our most notorious accident series. We started this last week where we talked about uh, pretty much two climbers who had a very harrowing experience down mm-hmm. a mountain. This that was probably the wildest thing insane. I've ever read. The craziest thing I've ever heard, honestly. This thing is slightly even wilder. Um, so, this is entitled Hanging On in El Dorado Canyon in Colorado in 1978. So, Cora Bauman, one of the strongest female climbers in Colorado during the late 70s, was attempting to complete the first all-women's ascent of the Naked Edge. So, I looked this up on Mountain Project. Um, apparently, it's a trad route. It's around 460 feet tall or 139 meters for all of our international listen- listeners out there. It's 511 on the Yosemite Decimal System, and it has five or six pitches. I think Mountain Project said it had six pitches, and the article said it has five. Who knows? Um, but it's around like the five or six pitch range. Um, and it's a little bit run out in some places, um, according to some of the comments in Mountain Project, but it's nothing outrageous for Trad, and the protection is apparently pretty decent as well. Um, so on September 12, 1978, Bauman and her belay partner, Sue Giler, or Jiller, I don't I don't know which one, I think it's Jiller. Mm-hmm. Jiller, okay. Sue Jiller climbed together while hauling a pack of some sweaters and water. Um, so basically what they're doing is that they're multi-pitching, and okay. then ever, after every hitch, what they do, after every pitch, not every hitch, mm-hmm. after every pitch, they pretty much haul this rope up, and, and it has like a little bag of like all their stuff, right? right? That's mm-hmm. usually how you do like multi-pitching, like if you've ever seen like the haul videos of like... Yeah. Yes. The big bags just like going up. That's essentially what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They pretty much free climbed. Um, and that's not free soloing. That's like just climbing with a rope. Um, they free climbed two pitches of the naked edge until the third pitch where the hall rope jammed beneath Bauman. Um, so Jiller climbed down the pitch onto the ledge that Bauman was belaying on. Um, so Bauman could use a single lead rope to free the lo- free the hall line and then top rope back up the second pitch. Mm-hmm. So like hall bag is stuck. Rope is stuck. As Jower's going up the third, rope gets stuck. They right. have to go fix it. Sue climbs down. Mm-hmm. Bauman's going to go down to the second pitch, fix the rope, top rope back up. Right. Right from the anchor. Yeah. Um, so apparently that day, Bauman was uh, distracted by some relationship issues in her life. And combined with being impatient uh, with their progress, she rushed to set up the anchor that she would be repelling off of. Which is 
already not good in and of itself. Mm-hmm. No. Um, she, quote, failed to reverse the gates of two carabiners that clip, clip the rope. Excuse me. I don't I says I says rop and I my brain said top. Um <laughs> that clipped the rope to the anchor sling end quote according to the article um i'm not too sure if this was not like an opposite and opposed situation Mm -hmm. do you know what that means macy not exactly so opposite and opposed when you're climbing outside or just anywhere in general when you're setting up an anchor system it is crucial that your rope is set up in a system that is opposite and opposed Mm -hmm. so what that means what that means is that you have your two carabiners right Mm -hmm. you don't want the gates to face the same to face the same direction um i think it also has to do with with facing against the wall too so you want them away from the wall and you want the gates in opposite directions that way it creates a closed system yes right so i'm not sure if it was that kind of thing i don't think it was but still failing to reverse the gates of the the carabiner it sounds pretty bad it does Um, sound pretty bad so according to the article quote as she leaned over the wall atop pitch two the swing pushed open the carabiners and the rappel rope rope popped out Mm. so basically bowman begins to free fall right yeah can't even imagine no that's that's gotta be terrifying because like absolutely imagine like you're not even like you're not even like on the road on anything you're not yeah you're just you're just waiting you're just yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you're just waiting it and all of a sudden as she's going over the edge it's completely starts free falling um so bowman apparently plummeted about 20 feet before somehow miraculously grabbing her nine millimeter haul rope Mm -hmm. with both hands and you basically squeeze the rope as hard as possible to stop her fall um she superwoman super yeah (laughs) dude i told you about this last night and i was like she grabbed the rope i don't understand how did she grab nine millimeter rope my jaw was like on the floor yeah macy's driving last night um (laughs) and i was like she grabbed the rope (laughs) Um, and so bauman is left severely burned in her hands but she's alive um Mm -hmm. and what she did was that she quickly wrapped the rope around her legs and uh to get a more solid base and ease the weight off your hands um which were starting to give way due to the pain i think the the article describes them as turning into claws oh my that's how burned she was wow. and it was pretty much like she just wrapped it around like you're climbing a rope like in in high school or right, something yeah. and pretty much just stood on top of it so um pretty much the article then continues on to say quote she inserted the skinny haul rope into her carabiner brake and slid down the anchor to the first pitch point end quote so then jiller joined her and the both began lowering to rush to the hospital yeah not and not to discount the the amount of pain that she must have felt because i can't even imagine Mm -hmm. my hands burning like that yeah but she free fell and all that she had was some burnt hands yeah like yeah i mean she Mm -hmm. could have very easily just died her life could have been over absolutely dude Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not to, not to discount any of that, but honestly, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that it's incredible how 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 something because I think at this point they were like three hundred feet in the air too, mm-hmm. or like definitely like a couple hundred feet in the air. Like, yeah, easily could have been one of those situations where it's like climber dies in mm-hmm. Colorado today, you know. But somehow, just miraculously grabbed hold, and it's something that we say all the time that should never really happen. And it's right. truly a miracle, honestly, that that she is alive um so pretty much the article continues to go on to say the lessons and i believe that the lesson was you know spot on it brings up the point that this could have very easily been sued sue joer as well Mm -hmm. right i personally find that self-arrest skills that bauman had like absolutely saved her life of course the ability like obviously like she's climbing outside on trad she's obviously you know 
doing very difficult things already mm-hmm. um but if she would not have been strong enough to be able to hold her own weight on a rope but also have the mental strength to be able to make herself efficient and then wrap the rope yeah. around her legs and then insert it into a carry mm-hmm. that's got to take like some mental fortitude absolutely like, i would have been shaking yeah shaking that, girl <laughs> that, that is some severe on this like quick on the spot critical thinking oh absolutely like she she was like i know what i have to do and she did it yeah i was i wouldn't like, even i wouldn't even say like i know what i have to do because i don't even think that she probably knew what to do she probably or just fear fill just like instinct yeah reactionary yeah. Like, yeah yeah very instinctual like i can't even get my rope half like half these days into my atc atc like on the ground because yeah. this is hard you know <laughs> it's hard it's hard yeah um and it just shows to go that like if you go outside like you got to be ready you got to be ready for stuff to go down you know you mm-hmm. have to be strong enough to be able to not only save the life of your partner but possibly your own too mm-hmm. and the article says too like you have to not be distracted as well like you have to double check the system your right. own system you have to double check your partner system mm-hmm. and even like you know you have to make sure that the system works too a lot of people i realized this like as i was reading this out but i was like oh she didn't test the system either right she just went on it which i don't know exactly how anchor boning work but to i believe like you're there's a there's a process to go through the test the system to, to, to wait the system to make sure it works mm-hmm. right um which apparently i don't even think she she does but it just goes to show like how how you have to be ready for things to go down and you have yeah. to be okay where it's like if macy's you know <laughs> if something goes wrong like if macy like, breaks her ankle yeah i gotta make sure that she's gonna get on my back and we're gonna piggyback exactly there, you know? yeah 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 and um that and like obviously you can't always just forget about issues in your life but it no, is, yeah it is mm-hmm. very true that like distractions do create these kinds of situations and i think that's yep. an interesting thing about climbing because mm-hmm. if you don't literally put your mind to it and mm-hmm. really focus and really just like push those other things out of your life it creates a really dangerous situation yeah i've even heard ter- i've even heard about people like boulder getting into bouldering injuries because mm-hmm. like they had an off day and they were just having like that high gravity day and mm-hmm. wasn't working but they were like no 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 let me let me do it like it can be i, I understand like everybody loves the sport a lot but you know, there's, there's a time, you know, there's yeah. a time where you just got to zoom in and you got to focus, you know, because mm-hmm. it can be anything as little as a twisted ankle or a sprained wrist to like something like this. Where right. you could be tumbling, you know, hundreds of feet towards the ground. Yeah. You know, and we don't ever want that for anybody. No. Um. So, yeah, that's our accident series for this week of the most notorious accidents you can read more about bauman's experience in rock and ice magazine 86 which came out on july in july of 1998 i know um i think rock and ice is no longer a magazine anymore i think oh. it's all diverged into outside mm-hmm. out- outdoor magazine outside magazine outdoor magazine mm-hmm. um but yeah if you want to read rock and ice go check it out all right slay Onto the breakfast burrito. Breakfast this episode. burrito. <laughs> what is your favorite breakfast burrito like thing? Oh, okay. Combination. Yeah. So. <laughs> chick-fil-a does a breakfast burrito i remember making those things when i worked at chick-fil-a you worked at chick-fil-a i worked at chick-fil-a for like almost a year I didn't know that. from october to july before i moved on to climb nittany oh. yeah their breakfast burritos slap yeah but they got so much cholesterol in them man oh yeah <laughs> so unhealthy i know horrible for you 
but so good. Oh, they 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 slap, dude. Oh my gosh, the eggs, the cheese, the the little the hash browns, uh huh, and then the, the chicken, chicken nugget mm. Mm, with a little bit of hot sauce and ketchup. I do Chick Fil A sauce, but slay. That's same thing. that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. All right, so we're talking about footwork. This Upping is exciting. Your footwork game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, why do we believe that footwork is important? Well, I believe that footwork allows for your lower body to connect with your upper body, right? Um, it allows you to move vertically. Um, your legs are much stronger than your arms, so they hold up a lot of your weight every single day. And a lot of people don't realize that like you use your legs a lot more in climbing than you would ever realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, having better footwork is just another part in a well-oiled machine. You know, we yeah. have to make sure that like every single part is working together to make sure that we're all successful. Right. Definitely. And, um, yeah. And footwork also gives us more tools for success as well. So using things like heel hooks, toe hooks, um, stepping on very precise holds, and then obviously being able to do slab, mm-hmm. um, all of these things require extremely good footwork, um, that you can find yourself pot towing in, um, if you don't d- diligently work on. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Macy, does bad footwork equate, like, if I got bad shoes, right, mm-hmm. does that equate to, like, not having good footwork? In my opinion, no. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> Although it can maybe contribute if you do already, say you already have bad sure. footwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, poor shoes can add to that struggle. Yeah. Um, But for me, I used a beginner pair of shoes for probably about a year maybe more Mm -hmm. um before getting some pretty aggressive shoes Mm -hmm. and i benefited so much from perfecting my footwork before the the shoe change Mm -hmm. because now that i have the more aggressive shoes yeah i i feel even more like precise in them yeah so having good footwork made the new shoes all that much better honestly and i can actually use them the way they're intended to be used Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's dependent on the shoes Although perfecting it and then getting a different pair of shoes can be helpful. Yes, I agree. Um, I personally see a lot of beginners buy very, very expensive, low volume shoes Mm -hmm. that, you know, the moment they encounter a plateau, um, they think it'll help them stick to the wall better. And I fell victim to this as well. I didn't necessarily buy shoes, but I got a pair of La Sportiva Tarantulas. Like Mm -hmm. those are my first ever pair of shoes. And I was like, these things are awful but they're better than the rental shoes yeah right the rental shoes at the im building may i add um and then are so slippery (laughs) yeah and then i eventually uh got these like 25 dollar like 510s from my friend dexter and like they're like the old 510s i don't Mm -hmm. even know where their shoes went side note i lost them (laughs) (laughs) um but i like wore them out in like a couple weeks because i was just like jamming my toe like into the wall it was not fun Mm -hmm. um but pretty much like you know, all the all the all the tips that we're gonna be like kinda giving you guys, like, you know, they should they could they could be easily done in rental in rental shoes. And honestly, I would recommend that you do them in rental shoes first because mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, helps with the idea of progressive overload. So like you're working you're working on footwork with really bad shoes. Okay. Then you graduate to like a more better shoe that's a little bit more soft, you know, more comfort shoe. And then right. finally you're able to transfer all of these skills that you've learned with very uncomfortable, very non practical shoes to suddenly comp shoes that may not be still comfortable but still mm-hmm. um that's that still like have that high quality rubber that are maybe down tuned a little bit to get you know better angles on smaller chips on overhung routes right um so yeah yeah and also just being like really intentional with foot placement 
honestly, mm-hmm. is what was really helpful when I went from those more beginner shoes to my more aggressive shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just like doing some easier climbs, determine how your foot should be placed, yep. placing it exactly there. Yep. Um, not really moving too much and just working on those unique ways to use your feet. And yeah. then as soon as you do get those shoes, makes them again, all that much better. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, so there are some common mistakes that cli- beginner climbers can make when it comes to learning proper footwork. Like for me personally, I see a lot of people either taking their entire foot and putting it horizontal to the wall, right. as opposed to what we're going to talk about soon. I've seen a lot of people just kind of like doing like a kind of you know, on, yes. the, on the yeah, where it's just, they're kind of like slamming their foot into the wall, mm-hmm. or even sliding it, or slide. God, uh. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Like yeah. there are times where I've, I've accidentally slipped, and I I look at the wall afterwards and just all rubber, <laughs> right? So either sliding your shoes on the wall, mm-hmm. there is um, not being intentional, but about like where you want the weight on your foot to be when you're right. trying to, you know, try to climb harder things. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot, right? Yeah. And um, you know, it's. This is crazy. Like how 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 much you have to change. Like how yeah. much the, how much more you can do right? if you just tweak that a little yeah, bit. Just tweak a little bit. Yeah, you and know? and like another thing is just taking it slow. Honestly, yeah. Like mm. just, I, I see a lot of climbers like rushing through kind of when they mm-hmm. first start. Um, or like especially when they're like going in for the foot swap, and it's like, you know, the jump, and then you put your next foot on, and then you move your next hand. Yeah, which can be good sometimes but mm-hmm. typically it's not yeah. and in those harder climbs that's not going to be a possibility yeah so it's like just work on that process and doing it slow and it makes you re- like doing it slow like that makes you practice and realize what good foot placement is yeah i agree and then um another thing i was going to say too that kind of goes into what you said about taking it slow too like oftentimes when i see brand new people to climbing they'll come in and then they'll just start climbing and then once they get to like the v2 area Mm -hmm. they notice they start to get really tired real quickly Mm-hmm. So I think the general assumption what they make is kind of like, oh, I need to move fast because yeah. otherwise I'm going to get too tired yeah. and I'm going to have to come off the wall. So what they do is that they do this thing kind of like where they're like going up the wall and like really quickly trying to get this climb done. And then all of a sudden they miss either a heel hook or they slip or they dead point off a hold mm-hmm. because their feet aren't properly set. Um, right. I one of the my favorite drills that I used to do when I first started climbing and I did this for my hands as well because I was over over gripping a lot but just generally picking like a VB climb and climbing Mm -hmm. it like a sloth like literally just moving one hand yeah moving another hand slow moving a foot moving another foot Mm -hmm. noticing exactly where my foot is knowing what position my foot is you know moving around a little bit trying to get a either a rest in or trying to practice how to rest or just generally taking my time and analyzing what is the best move possible for me here yes right and i even see like super experienced climbers doing that they will they will do that on like mike Mike yeah. Maloney, the Travis. These <laughs> that is anybody him. who climbs V10 or higher does it. Yes, all exactly. the time. Yeah. Even on any climb, I see them do. It is mm-hmm. slow. It is intentional. It is like watching a chameleon, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Yeah, dude. I was even I, earlier today. I was watching um, a short film of Alex Honnold free soloing the Phoenix in Yosemite Valley, mm-hmm. and one of the filmmakers is like, he climbs so slow. 
like I, I don't I don't have the exact quote on hand. I'll link yeah. it down. I'll link it down below. But they're like he climbs so slow. Like I don't know if he's in trouble. I don't know if he's forgetting a sequence. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's just thinking. Like he just climbs at a snail's pace. And I just don't know what to do. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, but it's crazy because taking it slow and just allowing you to take those moments of moving your body efficiently not only learns how you perceive your body through space Mm -hmm. right but it also helps you continuously think about where your feet are going and where you can move your feet to get to the next best spot obviously it's not going to be an overnight thing it takes months and months and months and this sounds really <laughs> this sounds like a training montage, but like <laughs> you know, it would take a long time of hard work. Wait, yeah. it does. You know, it, it took me over a year to kind of graduate from like that beginner to intermediate level. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for a lot of people who I've talked to, that's still pretty exponential. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah, know. Taking sure. it slow is is the way. This Absolutely. is the way. Another thing that kind of goes along with that, and I haven't even mastered this myself yet, honestly, mm-hmm. um, is really being like on overhung climbs being really conscious of when you're cutting your feet yeah Um, i agree yeah and and honestly this just takes core training and core Mm -hmm. strength and um locking off a bit stuff like that yeah but um which takes a long time to master it does like i said have not gotten that myself yet Mm -hmm. but keeping your feet on the wall will keep you in control yeah i agree yeah um I know, Macy, you have like a very aggressive pair of shoes and aggressive mm-hmm. pairs of shoes do, in fact, help with those more overhung climbs. But generally speaking, you know, cutting your feet um, and well, by the way, when we say cutting your feet, that basically means like when you're climbing something overhung and your feet come off the wall, um, cutting your feet is a massive energy drainer mm-hmm. it's why it's kind of one of the main features of like a v6 or a v7 or a v8 climb right where you have those force feet like force forcing cutting feet mm-hmm. right um one of my favorite things to train kind of like while while doing this to work on my core strength but not only that but like being able to quickly and precisely move my feet in a position where i want them was practicing peter pans um so i'd pick like a really easy do you know what those are no so peter pans are basically where you pick a really easy overhung climb so like v one vb v zero right and you do one move and then you purposely cut your feet right it sounds counterintuitive to what you're doing right but we you purposely cut feet and then you look at your next foothold and you slowly move your foot up to to place it the point of like when you're making when you're cutting your feet you're supposed to be practicing like the scorpion position where it's Mm -hmm. like your legs are kind of kicked back a little bit um so it kind of looks almost like you're doing like the Peter Pan position. If you've ever seen like Peter Pan like on blog, on Broadway oh, yeah. or like a show, he's they're, they're always making like that stance where it's like the the legs mm-hmm. and they're like <laughs> yeah. off to never <laughs> off to Neverland. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah, like doing that really helped me not only build up my core strength for those types of climbs, but mm-hmm. also like just help me when I do cut feet, being able to quickly meticulously get back on the wall right right away right yeah Mm -hmm. and and i feel like that kind of helps with learning where to place your feet too because absolutely yeah because um honestly i see a lot of when people first start just i'm i mean like directionally yes placing their foot in the wrong spot but just like simply placing it on the wrong hold where it doesn't position your body correctly to move to the next point yeah so like um that that is more than just like placing your foot but that's also hip positioning yeah and um like when to step through or Mm -hmm. like stuff like that yeah so definitely just like being aware and and that comes with intuition as well as as you climb more but just being aware of where your foot needs to go next 
in order for you to move your arms correctly next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we kind of covered this a little bit with what we were talking about earlier, but too, but um, a lot of people like to think about these things very logically too. So I thought a good thing to bring up would be like, what is bad footwork the result of? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it's a combination of what could be a lot of things or just one thing too. Um, it could be a combination of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, people oftentimes when they're scared, they think just like, Having having their whole foot on something is going to give them the most, you know, of like just they're going to be able to survive. Right. So a lot of people like when they start climbing, they use these very, very, very heavy feet like when they're Mm -hmm. starting to climb. Right. And that's because they're scared. Um, Similarly to that, too, like lack of experience, you know, not being able to have the experience of like, you know, knowing that you need to use a certain part of your toe for something whether it be like a heel hook or a toe hook or maybe just like that one part of like your big toe. Right. Bad foot health can also be a combination factor. I actually oh, yeah. met somebody at um, Vertical Adventures who had um, his arch in his foot collapsed, <gasps> and he wasn't able. Like if I'm if I have like my my hand is like up in the air like vertically, yeah. he wasn't able to extend it back. So oh like wow! He could only go like this. He couldn't. He couldn't make extended back. Right. Wow. So it could be an example of like poor arch strength, or even if you have like anything as simple as like an Achilles tear or even just general bad foot health where you don't your feet do not have a lot of support um, mm-hmm. that can also lead to bad footwork um, as well as you know we mentioned this earlier a lack of core strength and a lack of body awareness you know those having the body awareness number one helps us figure out where we are in proximity you know to the wall right it helps right. us figure out if we're off balance if we're going to be off balance you know having the ability to know if I put my move this part of my body in this spot I will fall is so advantageous. Right. right? Um, meanwhile, you know, if you don't have that, you're going to start throwing things and see what works and see what doesn't, which is, you know, how we all learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a lot of, a lack of core strength. You know, a lot of people do not realize how much core is needed right when you're climbing it's exactly. one of the things that makes it such a good workout right you know when you're literally lifting your legs and and dropping them mm-hmm. or when you're trying to get a very difficult move where your knee is by your face you know yeah it takes a little bit of stomach you know, it, take, it takes some <laughs> just, abs just a little bit just a little bit yeah yeah um but macy what are some things that we can do to help train our footwork so there are a few things that we can do you can mm-hmm. first train your core obviously mm-hmm. um as we were talking about um, you can also train your legs, mm-hmm. um, just get that, that strength in, in kind of being not only flexible, um, number getting, one, getting mobility. but uh, yeah, gaining mm-hmm. mobility and also, you know, some, some climbs do require those explosive moves. Yeah. So, um, being able to just lift your, your full body weight on, on either one foot or both. So, yeah. Um, and then also calisthenics yep. are definitely super important mm-hmm. um, to be aware of how you're moving, using movement to your advantage. Yeah, using your body weight to figure yeah. out how to move, right? Yeah. yeah, I agree with all of those. Um, you know, core strength, you know, helps you move your entire body. Training your legs, especially with, with front squats, even deadlifts or back squats or even just like, you know, Nordic hamstring curls mm-hmm. can help to be super beneficial to long-term body awareness long-term you know being able to put your foot in the right area and like you said too like calisthenics like just knowing how to move your body through time and space yeah very advantageous (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i don't know macy anything anything else to add just that 
I think that I, I wouldn't get discouraged yeah. if you do some of these things that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't determine if you're a good climber or not yeah. or if you mm-hmm. will be. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, take it with a grain of salt and maybe determine why your footwork is the way it is and then mm-hmm. use some of our tips to try to help yeah help your footwork get a little bit exactly. better and maybe you'll even move up a grade or something exactly like that. yeah like like my scene i said multiple times like it took us a while to get to the spot mm-hmm. um and it was a lot of intentional training too so if you're kind of wondering like why you've been stuck in like the v2 maybe even v3 range like and you're just like why isn't anything like going anywhere like i don't understand why i keep falling off you know it could be because of your footwork it could mm-hmm. also not because of your footwork you know right we don't know what's happening in y'all's lives um <laughs> which is why we say like you know take what we say with the, with the grain of salt you know we're not experts we're just two girls who like to climb yeah <laughs> and we want sharing our experience yeah, we're just sharing our experience yeah so um yeah let us know if any of our tips helped y'all out we'd yeah, love to hear for sure. it um but yeah anything else i think we're done that's all all right so thank you guys so much for listening today we talked about our spontaneous our spontaneous fun fact how do you like your eggs and then for our news we um talked about a new bill that explicitly aims to protect wilderness climbing um be sure to contact your local representative to go and um either ask them to support it or ask them to not support it i don't know why would you tell them to not support it <laughs> um, our weekly accident was our most notorious accident series number two where we talked about el dorado canyon in colorado in 1978 where the famous coral bowman somehow miraculously grabbed a rope after free falling and somehow managed to save herself in an ungodly un- unbelievable situation but carol will ride your wife um and then of course the breakfast burrito of this episode upping your footwork game um pretty much talking about all of, our, all of the things we know about footwork and um yeah what we what we what our experiences have shown have shown from us so yeah um be sure to check out our social media our instagram our tiktok our who's my what's it's um and yeah Other than that, though, thank you guys so much for watching. Thanks, guys. Keep climbing. Rock on. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys.